Well, this is uh, day 45. It's Sunday, uh, April 26th, day 45 of the uh, quarantine that I've been home. And it's too lazy to write. And uh, that's me, your host, The Real John Baker. We, we, like there's a team here. It's just me. Um, I've got a good interview, though, and I'm glad you joined me. Um what did I want to say, though, before I got to my guest today? I don't know. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, it's been raining a lot lately, I've noticed. Yeah, have you noticed that? Well, weather's been kind of bad, but whatever. Hopefully I'll be able to get back to work on Tuesday. There's been a lot of uh, ups and downs with the system here with the online um, learning for the kids. And I, I got to admit, I kind of miss my kitties. So I want to get back to that. Um but to this first, <laughs> to this first. So a little bit of a backstory here before I tell you who my guest is. Um, so God, about 15, 16 years ago, uh, when I was living in Ottawa, I was the host of a long running show on Rogers Cable 22, uh, which is sort of the community access channel. I was a host of a show called Shalom Ottawa. And uh, we did the show once a month, and we would uh, talk to people in the Ottawa Jewish community. The show had been on for years. I think, actually, my mother might have been a host of it at one point. Anyway, so at the same time that I was hosting the show, I was also working at um, the radio station Magic 100, Team 1200, uh, Cool FM, 580CFRA, or some configuration of those four stations, because they've flip-flopped so many formats. Uh, But anyway, I worked downtown uh, on uh, York Street, in the building with the radio and the TV and whatnot and whatnot. Anyway, there was a young man um, who worked there uh, in the newsroom named Scott MacArthur. And Scott, for whatever reason, wanted to be on my show. He wanted to be a guest on Shalom Ottawa. Of course, it never happened because shortly thereafter, I gave up the reins of Shalom Ottawa and was no longer the host. Um, And one of the qualifications, you kind of had to have a little bit of a Jewish angle. And Scott loved the guy, but there wasn't a Jewish angle. Anyway, so he used to joke about wanting to be a guest on my show, and I would always say, it's going to happen, Scotty. It's going to happen. Anyway, of course, it never happened uh, for reasons I just gave. So fast forward a number of years, Scott MacArthur, right now, very successful broadcaster in the Toronto area who has a sports broadcaster, I should say, um, and uh, I bugged him. I said, Scott, do you want to come on my podcast? I know it's not Shalom Ottawa, but it's, you know, the next best thing. And he graciously agreed because that's just the kind of guy Scott is. So he decided that he would be my guest. He decided. He allowed me to interview him. He was so great to talk to. And we covered a lot of stuff. Um, I, I just, I can't. I cannot say enough about the man, Um, and at the end of this, I'm going to give you all of his contact details, uh, where you can hear him on the radio in Toronto. Um, Just a great guy. The interview covered, you know, just a a wide variety. He's very grateful to where he came from in broadcasting. Uh, He understands his place in the broadcasting world. Uh, No ego. No ego on this guy. And um, an advocate uh, and all-around good guy. So I hope you enjoy it. It's me and it, uh, Scott MacArthur, and here it is. I gotta say, this is this is what it stems from, right? You so desperately wanted to be a guest on Shalom. What was that about? Yeah, <laughs> I like I didn't qualify. I mean, 
The last if, I, if I'd walked out front of the Rogers TV building with a big flag saying, I am circumcised, can I be your guest? <laughs> I would have put you on. I would have put no, you there you Yeah. What, um, so I want, I want to ask you, because we could talk politics forever, but what are sports radio? Uh, I haven't listened to the radio. Are we, are we live or are we recording or no? No, no, I'm recording this, yeah. Yeah, if you don't okay. want me to put the other stuff in, I won't. That's, that's, uh, I mean, that's totally up to you. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? What, what have sports radio been doing? Well, up here in Toronto, we're, we're taking the opportunity to do a lot of historical content. So, okay. um, you know, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, somebody my age, who's 40, almost 41, remembers very well those early 1990s teams. Um, you know, as a boy in the 80s, the Leafs were terrible. Yeah. Um, but in the early 90s, they had a few years there under Pat Burns with Doug Gilmore as their star player where they were very good. And so, you know, we've had guests on the likes of Wendell Clark. We even had uh, Gary Lehman on at, at one point to talk about what it was like to be a key piece going the other way in that epic 10-player trade between the Leafs and the Calgary Flames, which brought Doug Gilmore to Toronto in January of 1992. We, I mean, we get news bits, right? Um, leagues yeah, seem we- to be constantly talking about what a, what a return could look like. How is the NHL going to award the Stanley Cup or the NBA going to award the Larry O'Brien trophy? What would a playoff format where would that be held uh, would it be on in in one site and if so how would you quarantine everybody would it be in multiple sites but kept relatively contained um, because different states have different rules right now uh, the canadian american border is closed so we deal with with all of that stuff and we also take an opportunity uh, try as we might and hopefully people enjoy it to inject some personality do some fun little skits and bits imitations and all that i mean we're finding we're finding a way uh, on on the show that I co-host with Mike Zygamanis, a former NHL player. Uh, we're finding a way to get three hours in five days a week. So we're doing 15 hours of content. That's fantastic. I mean, it's nice because it, 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 it kind of stretches your creativity a little, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know how loud I should speak this. Um, certainly not with a, a megaphone, but, but if, I'm, if I'm being truly honest about it, I am not as big a sports fan, generally speaking, now as I was when I was younger. Sure. So, so a lot of the – I mean, I still have my teams. I'm Maple Leafs fan, Chicago Cubs baseball fan, San Francisco 49ers football fan. But I find myself less inclined – I do it for my job, but I find myself less inclined to want to sit down and watch an NHL hockey game every night or to watch a Maple Leafs game every second night. Whereas if you had told 20 year old me that 40 year old me would feel that way, I'd have called you insane and a bunch of other words (laughs) that are not repeatable on this highly reputable and terrestrial radio friendly podcast. But, But that's just how it is. So, so, so for me, it has actually been somewhat freeing to not only stretch myself in some ways on the air, 
and in my skill set because I can't rely on breaking down last night's game and what it means for the playoff push, et cetera, et cetera. It also has freed up my evenings to binge a Netflix show or have a FaceTime conversation with uh, a friend, like just different things. I can, I, I, I feel like even though I'm locked away in my condo because we're all physically distancing, um, it, it's given me some opportunity to sort of take the, take the foot off the uh, gas a little bit in terms of my sports intake. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess that's good. It's kind of, it's clearing your mind a little bit. And uh, it's, it's, well, the other thing, John, is, I mean, you come up with stuff in times like this that can then live on the show when things do get back to normal. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, so, so it's a time for experimentation and out of chaos, they say comes opportunity. So we've, We've tried to look at it that way, and we've taken the reins off a little bit. We know that our listenership is down mm-hmm. just because a lot of people uh, aren't in their cars driving to work when we're on the radio like they yeah. usually are. So you, you, it, every day is, is, is the next rep, the next repetition in, in the process, and, and uh, we're doing our best to have fun with it and, and, and to stay, stay creative throughout. And I had a question, and for the life of me, it completely – I wanted to ask, actually, now I remember. But you started in this when we first met, you were a news guy. Was sports always your your passion? You always wanted to get to the sports radio? Well, you uh, will remember this name. The, the program director at the time of 580 CFRA and what was then the team 1200 in Ottawa. Now, of course, TSN 1200 in Ottawa. Yeah. His name is Dave Mitchell. Um, he's right. no longer there. But if if I had, and Dave is a fantastic guy, you could you could drop into his office and shoot the breeze with him for hours on end about anything. And and a lot of our chat wasn't about radio. It was about life, family, uh, background, et cetera, et cetera. But but one of the things that I would often say to him was, Dave, I. I I mean, it's not that I don't appreciate what I have, but, but I'm, a, I'm a sports guy at heart. Right. So, so when, when I came out of Algonquin College up in Ottawa and started reading a couple of overnight news shifts a week, which very quickly became five overnight news shifts a week when someone else quit and it opened up some uh, more availability for me, I, I just kind of started. Um, oh, okay. and, and what I realized was, Hey, th- this is something I enjoy. Um, it's also really, really good because it's keeping me on the air. And, and that's the big thing. If you want to be an on air person coming out of college, you, you don't want your pipes to go dry for years on end, uh, you know, and, and keep in mind, this is 20 years ago almost. So it's not like people just had podcasts where, if they didn't have a traditional media job, they could just throw on um, some headsets and, and, and find a microphone and just talk into it from their uh, table. That's what I'm doing you know? right now. I'm well, yeah, but you, you've got it figured out, but you weren't doing it 20 years ago, <laughs> right, were you? Right. Yeah. You know, and had you come up with it back then, John, you'd be a very rich man. Look what it's I turned mean, into. Yeah. But um, so, so, so it was great just to, to have those reps. And then, and then the other thing that it did was once I was well into the building, 
Um, and I was getting to know uh, the, the news director, John Brenner, and then Steve Winogron, and, and was talking more to Dave Mitchell as time went on. I was able to share with them my goals and where I wanted to get to. And it, I think it was probably two or three, probably not two or three years, probably a year and a half, two years where Dave dangled the first carrot. And he said, look, we're creating this pre-pregame show on Saturday afternoons before our Ottawa Senators broadcast. So the Senators would play at seven at night. The pregame show was a two-hour gig that started at five. And he said, look, we're creating this three to 5 p.m. show and we'd like you to host it. Huh? And so it was the first opportunity for me to venture out into that, take me off of the I was still doing it Monday to Friday reading news, but take me out of the script writing formatic style and, and give me a chance to freeform a little bit. And I hosted that, that, that program with a couple of Ottawa Sun newspaper scribes. And that was a ton of fun. And that was kind of my first chance uh, to, 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 to work in that space. And around that time, I was starting to volunteer at the local uh, TV station. And that led to me hosting Ottawa 67's junior hockey broadcasts. So that got me a little bit of TV experience. But yeah, I, I was never a news guy at heart, but I enjoyed it. And I also understood the value of simply being in the building and across the hall from the sports radio station. Because if I knew if I could just keep close and, and make very clear to those um, who could help me get there, i.e. my bosses, what it is I wanted to do, eventually an opportunity would come up. And then when it did, I would have to seize it. Let me ask you uh, about something or somebody, because you mentioned Algonquin College, and I'm, I'm fairly certain that the, this person I'm going to mention meant a lot to you. Uh, Ian late, Barry. Ian Barry, yeah. Can you talk about him? Yeah, Ian... Um, now, very sadly, it's coming up on four years ago that he passed away. I remember making the same-day trip uh, from Toronto to Ottawa, which is about a four-hour drive, so an eight-hour trip each way to make sure I was at his funeral. He was, um, he was a terrific guy. Um, he was like consummate old-school radio. So he had he had pipes handed to him from God. Like he had the voice of God, deep bellowing voice. Yeah. Absolutely baritone. Um, and, and, and you could just tell like radio was in his bones and he had worked all over the city, knew everybody. And I think the greatest thing looking back on it um, among the many great experiences and whatnot that I had with him was that I could tell right away that he believed in me and he understood that I was self-motivated in his program because I had, I would have classmates who would come out of his office after an air check or a conversation with him. And they would say, man, he is, he is a, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this and that, and I'm sitting there, I didn't pipe in or anything, but I, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I have never had an experience like what is being described here with Ian. And so, I mean, it, I don't know if it was that the, the, the people who would 
be critical of him, couldn't take criticism or what have you, or maybe he sensed they were slacking off and he was calling them on their BS and they took exception to that. Like, I don't know what, what the reasons are or whatever. Yeah. I don't dwell on them. But he just, with me, he knew that I cared and he knew that I wanted this. Um, and so he was a true mentor to me and a true support to me. And we stayed in touch loosely through the years, uh, particularly once everybody in the late 2000s was on Facebook. And so every now and then I'd, I'd open up my direct messages, my private messages, and he would have uh, sent me a, a, an article on, on radio or just to check in, hey, how you doing? Or I heard this because I was still up in Ottawa when it all started, our Facebook conversations. Hey, right. heard you, really liked what I heard. Um, you know, or he'd throw a student my way and say, hey, could you talk to this person? Uh, they're really interested in what you do. You know, just that, that sort of stuff. So um, I miss him. Uh, uh, another mutual friend of ours, John uh, Gord McDougall, passed away. Yeah. Uh, last summer, um, TV Gord from CFRA and, and a longtime CFRA reporter. And at his celebration of life last September, uh, up in Ottawa at the Lord Elgin Hotel, Don Crockford, who was uh, a teacher at the same time alongside Ian at Algonquin College, he was there. So it was, it was great to catch up uh, with Don, despite the sad circumstances yeah. under which we were in the same room together, but it was, it was great to see him too. So Ian Barry and Don Crockford are two people who, who mean a great deal to me and always will. Don uh, was sort of my Ian Barry when I was there. And yeah, he was uh, just such a, a professional. And the, the one thing I remember about Don was one of the things he did for me, uh, it was the summer after I graduated and he had put me in touch with somebody at the CBC to do a little bit for their morning show at the time. Okay. So I go into, you know, meet with the woman and everything's great. And we're going to go ahead and do it. Uh, I come back a few days later and behind me, Don is reading news that morning. He's filling in for somebody. And I thought, this is what made that program so great was mm -hmm. that here I am. I'm now kind of a peer with this guy. You know, mm -hmm. um, but he really, you know, knew what he was talking. He wasn't just some guy who had studied it. He lived it. He lived it. And, and Ian would would do that, too. And if you fast forward to now, um, like Dan Mellon, who yeah. I think preceded me, I, and I don't know the exact dates, but I'm going to guess Dan Mellon would have been a student who graduated three, maybe four years before I I went into first year and, and so he would be someone who would come back and talk to the students by that point. Cause he was doing some work in, in Kingston. I think he, he ended up as a program director in Kingston and uh, he kind of bounced around and, and programmed some Eastern Ontario radio stations and talk about another guy with, with natural pipes. Um, Dan is now uh, a teacher there and has yeah. been, uh, I would estimate for about a decade, and Dan Polanin, another mutual friend of yours and mine, a longtime reporter at 580 CFRA, he left CFRA, again, I don't want to get my dates wrong, but I'm going to guess it's about a decade ago, to, to be a teacher So uh, at Algonquin. So da the two Dans, as they came to be known at the school, were 
Ian's and Dawn's successors. And I do know that Dan Polanin took a year-long sabbatical, uh, sabbatical to get his master's in journalism mm-hmm. and is now the dean of media studies at Algonquin College. So he's not wow. only gone on to be a teacher there, he is now the dean of, of that faculty. So, um, you know, it's, just, it's funny talking to you about this. Like, it's, it's amazing how many people we know. It's almost like we forget yeah. how many people we've crossed paths with over the years. And that yeah. when we do get opportunities to, to see them again, and of course, Dan was very good friends with Gord McDougall and so Dan Polanin. And so I caught up with him at Gord's Celebration of Life last September, as well as Dawn. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's always good to see people like that because, you know, you might not have had much contact with them for a number of years, but it's like no time has passed once you get back in the same room together. Yeah. When, uh, right after Gord passed, people, of course, were flooding Facebook with, with memories of him. And I uh, put up a memory that he had, I, I barely knew him at this time. It was, I just started working on Carling Avenue. And I guess he found out that I was a big fan of Joe Jackson. And one morning I show up to work and on my desk is this bootleg cassette from a, uh, a concert from uh, Camp Fortune that Joe Jackson had done. Wow. And Gord, okay. A little note from Gord. So I wrote that on Facebook. And then the replies were that he had done stuff like this for so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he took like one little nugget of information about you and he had something in his vast collection and you'd, you'd show up at work and there would be a little box from Gord McDougall. Mm-hmm. What a great guy. Gord was Well, great. I, you know, I, um, I'll try, uh, I'll try to get through this without breaking up a little bit, but I, sure. um, you know, I came out, uh, last summer. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, we, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. If you're, yeah. And that. I, uh, Gord was somebody who I wanted to know. Uh, I wanted him to know in advance. Uh-huh. And so we, you know, we DM'd on, on Facebook Messenger back and forth, and he was so excited and so supportive. And uh, then when my video dropped on my social media accounts um, in in mid to late July last year, he followed up with a congratulatory message and i thanked him for that and and it was a kind of a crazy time because you know i was hearing from a lot of people like i i can't even count the number of kind messages that i got so it was it was hard to sort of make sure that i would get through those with at least a a response for each person who was good enough to reach out while also maintaining consistent conversations with people Uh, It's just a lot, right? There's just the quantity, the sheer quantity. And a couple of weeks after that brief exchange post-video, Gord sent me another DM, and it was a follow-up. And he said, you know, I know you're probably really, really busy, and you're hearing from a lot of people, and it might be that you don't even see this message for a while, but in... So there's no pressure to respond, but I, I just, I want to know how it's gone. How's it going? And I did remember seeing the message not long after he sent it. 
And, you know, life is busy. And as I said, it was a, it was kind of a hair, hair on fire time for me. And I remember reading and appreciating the permission he gave me to say, well, don't, you don't have to respond right now. Uh, you can get back to me a little later when things settle down, but I, I'd just love to know. And it might've been two weeks after that, that he died. Yeah. And so the last bit of our private message conversation, our messenger conversation on Facebook is him asking me, how's it going? Um, he didn't get the response and, and I, I I can't, I, I know wherever he is, he's not holding that against me and, and, and I don't let it bother me too much because we both understood it was a crazy time, but we just, it's just a simple reminder um, that, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he, he was, he was truly one of the best and, and was always like, Gord was a very private guy. So it, it wasn't as if you were close friends with him outside of work, but he was an integral part of our newsroom, not only for the work that he did, but for the life that he brought and, I could go on and on and on about um, the people in the CFRA newsroom and look back with such fondness. We had our own inside jokes. We had our own funny imitations of different things. We, we had compiled a bunch of uh, blooper audio from all of our newscasts or reports or crazy calls into the newsroom. We would record them and add them into like just that, that newsroom. And I think it's something you have to do when you're in a newsroom and you're dealing with so much sadness and heartbreak and, 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 and difficulty every day that you're reading about or reporting on. Like you almost have to just, you kind of all just get what you're all going through. And so I, I look back, uh, I look back so, so fondly um on on that time and without gord it's fair to say understatement that without gord that newsroom would would never have been and not been the same yeah it's gord was definitely a linchpin that that held so much of it together you're you're a hundred percent right about that my friend mm. we should yeah. raise a glass to him tonight his, uh... and he would like well you know we um his poison was southern comfort okay so okay so the uh, his celebration of life was on a September afternoon uh, last year. And uh, Melanie Adams, another mutual friend of ours of from, from the newsroom days, I stayed with her uh, on Saturday night. So I drove up Saturday and I drove home Sunday after the service. And we all went to the old Dubliner in the Byward Market. And it was so great because so many faces showed up. Shelly McLean was there. Mike Murphy was there. I mean, I go on down the list. Yeah. And so we bought, we bought a round of Southern Comfort shots and we, we, we downed them in honor of him. So it was, it was nice to be able to do that um, and see so many true old friends. How, um, how has life been for you, if you don't mind me asking, since you came out? Well, it's been it's been very freeing for me. Um, uh, it, I I did it. And people would say, well, why would you make a big deal of coming out publicly? Well, there's a couple of reasons for it. First and foremost, I did it for myself. So I've been out privately for a number of years um, at the point that the video 
came out. But it's it's difficult when you're partially closeted. And I, I like to say that in Toronto, I'm not famous, but I'm also not not famous. Right. There are there are people who recognize me from my work on TSN, or they see my social media, or they just know me from from radio or like wherever. And you know, I had two long-term boyfriends in the span of about four years uh, prior to the video being released. And it, you know, you can tell somebody you love them privately, but then if you are walking down the street, say you're headed for dinner somewhere and you won't hold their hand, well, what message are you sending them, right? It, and and so my fear always was protecting my secret and working in the macho sports culture, I didn't want that one person in the restaurant who might recognize me. Now, is there a less than 50% chance I'll get recognized walking into a restaurant? Yes, probably. But is there a better than 0% chance? Also, yes. And when you are micromanaging your message and micromanaging your life, you, you are obsessed with protecting the secret so that if there's a greater than 0.0% chance of something happening, you are not going to run the risk of letting that happen. That someone could recognize you and then tweet and say, you'll never guess. I saw Scott MacArthur walking into a restaurant tonight, hand in hand with a, with a guy. Yeah, yeah. I had to get the hell over that. So I came out to alleviate that burden. Now, whether everybody knows or not isn't relevant. Some people still have never heard of me and never will. But I'm not, the point is, is I'm not thinking about protecting a secret when I'm living my life. Right. And so it, it, it's the unburdening of myself. And then on top of that, there is work to be done in significant work to be done. I should underscore that in the sports space. Um, Uh, to make it more LGBTQ plus friendly. Um, We have made strides, but we have not gone anywhere close uh, to where we need to get to. So I I, I don't ascribe myself a title and I don't, um, I don't, um, I don't believe that it is my job to assert myself a particular role. I just want to help where I can. And, and so that is something that has also come out of, of me coming out publicly is I have been able to speak a little bit or advocate here and there. And it's obviously something that I'd like to do more of as, as the years go on. You, I mean, you clearly have defined opinions on, on matters of all like across the spectrum of, you know, politics, social matters, et cetera. Did you ever see yourself as someone who could be an advocate? Um, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I, I mean, but I think it's impossible to see yourself as being anything legitimate when you know you're not living authentically. I mean, so whether it's a, a, a personal matter or whether it's a more public matter or whatever, it's like, well, I wasn't, I was being disingenuous. I wasn't intentionally harming myself or others by being disingenuous. I was doing rightly or wrongly what I felt I had to do at the time. Um, And, you know, I've talked to people in the sports media world who have been in management for, 
for quite a while now, and, and I have asked them this question because I made a decision as a very young man in 2002, 23 years old, to stay in the closet and to actually force myself to try to live a straight life, get married, have kids, dog, cat, white picket fence, house. Sure. I was going to actually try to exist that way. Okay. And it naturally all crumbled because I was not liver, living my natural self. But so I've asked those um, longtime sports media executives, do you think I would have been able to have the career I have had had I come out in 2002, 2003? And, and to a person, they have said to me, probably not. Hmm. And I've said to them, well, it's good then that I made the decision I did, but it's bad that that's the decision that had to be made. Right. And and so I do think we have made significant progress 2020 over 2002 in the very same way that we had made progress by 2002 over 1982. Right. Um, right. But we still have a long way to go. And and I do think that the only way that we get there is by advocating and when necessary, agitating because. A lot of people mean well. They're just not used to different. Mm -hmm. And that could lead to a whole other conversation of what's normal versus what's different. And is there any true, quote unquote, normal, blah, 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 blah. But we do know that the majority of the world is cisgendered heterosexual. Mm -hmm. so, so anything else for the sake of this discussion would be considered different. And really the message is to any young person or a person of any age who is struggling with quote being different it's okay it's okay and then the other just as important and perhaps even more important part is the education of the well-intended people who just don't know any better but would be interested in learning who do have empathy or sympathy at the very least educating them on hey you know when you say that word or when you roll your eyes that way when a, when a topic of queer equality comes up, it isn't necessarily the big bad buzzwords that push people further back into the closet. It's the little body, uh, body language things or the eye rolls or the, the snickering remarks that kind of death by a thousand paper cuts push people who so badly want to come out and live authentically, push people back into the closet. So it's about educating people about ensuring that we, we strip away the subconscious, bring it to the conscious level and, and, and be aware of, of what we say, because we may not mean to hurt people with our words, but sometimes we do it far more often than we think. Well, I, I think it's interesting and you can correct me if I get this wrong, but you've managed to, um, express that you you get that there are people I'll call them old school I guess whose whose values and beliefs are rooted in one idea but who at the same time want to change but need the education mm -hmm. and I find sometimes that, people, that we butt heads over that do you you see what I'm? Do you understand what I'm saying, or am I just talking about my ass? Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I think I think I think that that's I think that that's fair. Um, I I do think that 
we, we, whether you believe God put it in your head or whether you believe we evolved, uh, we all have brains in our head. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we are allowed to ask questions. We are allowed to think critically. We are allowed to use reason. Um, we don't have to blindly walk around believing uh, traditional messages that have been passed down through the generations, in some cases dating back hundreds of years. Right. Yeah. And, and, and take them as verbatim. We are allowed to be good people and, and question those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should not ever, and, and I don't like, um, for example, I don't like whitewashing or pinkwashing anything. You, whitewashing, of course, is just kind of the elimination of, of the color of skin or pinkwashing is, you know, eliminating straight, gay, queer differences. I think we should be celebrating all those differences. Mm-hmm. We should be celebrating all of all of those different backgrounds and the different experiences that people bring to the table from the lives that, that they have led. Um, and we can learn so much from, from people, but we, we have to be willing to listen. And I say that as somebody who was far less interested in listening 15 years ago, far more interested in, in, in doing so now. And that's been my own process and I think it comes from so badly wanting to be under, understood myself that I desire to understand others. Um, and, and in some cases, you know, throughout my life, so wanting simply to understand myself, um, you know, first and foremost is not just have others understand me, but understand myself. So, so I think, it, I think, I think, I think that there is, um, I think that, if, if, if you come into something with an open mind, if you intend to listen to somebody else's story with the true intention of listening rather than, well, you know, I'll let them say their piece and then I'm, I'm, my reply is already set. Right. You know, right. My, my, you know okay, I'll, I'll give them the satisfaction of saying words, but then I'm, then I'm going to tell them how it is sure. instead of Absolutely. taking the opportunity to perhaps learn from something they tell you. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, but I do think most people are well-intended and, and uh, I don't necessarily see that reflected in a lot of the political leaders we elect. Um, but that is an entirely different conversation about our political system and, and what influences it. But, but I do think Joe Q, Jill Q public for the most part cares and if Joe or Jill doesn't feel that he or she or they know a queer person, um, they probably do. That queer person just hasn't disclosed. So we all have people in our, in our lives. Um, and it's so important uh, that we, we try to understand uh, what, what everybody is going through. A little more empathy would do the world good. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Scott. You're 100% right. Um, I know you have a meeting to get to. Is that right? I do, yes. A, okay. Uh, um, weekend, me, a weekend before the weekend meeting. Let me ask you quickly, <clears throat> and, then, and then I'll wrap it up. But um, your, your sports 
career, your career in sports radio and television has taken you a lot of different places. Has there been an event that you've been standing at, that you've been reporting at, that that 20-year-old or 10-year-old Scott MacArthur would have said, holy crap, I can't believe I'm, I'm doing this? Uh, just off the top of my head, I'll give you one, and and I have, okay. I am no fan of the Boston Red Sox. So let me let me be clear about that first. But okay. uh, to have covered the 2013 Major League Baseball playoffs uh, from the Championship Series through to the World Series, and to have been down on the field as the Red Sox celebrated, um, and to have grabbed a little chunk of clay off of the pitcher's mound from that night and, and to have kept it as I have is, is really, really a a cool memory. The one that I missed that I wish I could have been more a part of um, was the, my beloved Chicago Cubs winning the world series in 2016. I was not there for that, but, but to have been um, on the historic grounds of Fenway park at the end of a world series as the hometown team celebrated and to be getting my microphone into conversations with players and to grab a little clay off the pitcher's mound that night. That was, that was pretty cool. Fantastic. Okay. We're going to end it. Th- <clears throat> excuse me. We're going to end it there. I hope that's okay. That's fantastic. It was fun, but, John. It was great to catch up. It was, I want to do this again because there's so much more I wanted to talk to you about. Um, but as I used to end my program, I would say for April, 2020, this has been Shalom Ottawa. <laughs> Finally, I got my invite. <laughs> Scott, thank you. I, I really think, and I want to say this before I go, I think that your decision to, to put that video out and to come out publicly has probably caused a ripple effect amongst young men and women that you probably, it's going to come back to. You're going to realize one day the, the effect that you've had on so many people for you deciding to do what you did because it's so important that, that you put that out there. And I know people have found comfort and found um, found some sort of easy way, maybe easier way, I should say, to accept who they are and to have others accept who they are. And it's because of that message. I really believe that. Thank you for saying that. Um, I appreciate that, uh, John, and, and my message for anyone. I typically direct it toward young people, but it it really is true for anyone. Um, Be who you are. It's okay. And know that even if you've been, even if, and I hope this isn't the case, but even if you've been let down by family or close friends who have not reacted well and as they should to your disclosure, please know in the pit of your heart, the deepest part of your heart, that you are not alone, that there are others like you and others who stand with you, if not right beside you, because we physically can't, um, certainly in spirit. Excellent. I'm going to leave it right there. Thank you so much, Scott McCarthy. Thanks, John. Yeah, I can't wait to catch up again. Absolutely. Behold, another interview, Scotty Mack. That's what he's known as on uh, on his morning show that he hosts every day. Monday to Friday, you can hear Scott MacArthur, um, <clears throat> excuse me, on the Fan 590 in Toronto, uh, Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., lead off with Ziggy and Scotty Mac. Like I said, Fan 590 in Toronto. Scott's been on TV. Maybe you've seen him. He, he was on uh, TSN for a while, I believe. And on Twitter, you can find him at Scotty Mac Thinks. And I'm going to spell that out for you. It's S-C-O-T-T-Y-M-A-C 
T-H-I-N-K-S at Scotty Mac Think. So once again, you can hear Scott Monday to Friday, uh, Fan 590 in Toronto, uh, lead off with Ziggy and Scotty Mac. And it was so gracious of him to take some time out uh, of his day. He's, he's still busy. They're still pumping out sports radio. It's difficult, but they're figuring out ways to keep their audiences engaged, which is really, um, it's tough, uh, you know, right now. Talk radio, no problem. Not a lack of things to talk about. Sports radio, a little bit more of a problem. So uh, it was unfortunate. He was never able to be a guest on Shalom Ottawa, but he was able to be a guest on Too Lazy to Write. I want to thank him, and I want to thank you for listening. I can't even believe it. It's been like seven weeks in a row, maybe six, maybe seven. I don't know. Um, I don't even know who I'm going to have on next week, but man, it's been fun. Thanks for listening. Uh, the podcast is Too Lazy to Write. Uh, you can find it online, the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word write.com, or on Twitter. I'm at The Real John Baker, or we're friends on Facebook. And if we're not, hit me up. We'll be friends. Uh, once again, Scott MacArthur at Scotty Mac Thinks. You can hear him Monday to Friday. Uh, 6 to 9 a.m. on the leadoff with Ziggy and Scotty Mac on the Fan 590 in Toronto. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Scott. Take care of yourselves. Be safe. Wash your hands. Do all the stuff you're supposed to be doing. Um, practice social distancing. <laughs> I was doing so well. Take care. Bye. To listen, to write, where anything can happen. And everyone is welcome with the real job.